when you look at the purpose of the asset purchase programs that the Bank of Canada put in place, it was really to support financial market stability. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. Recent equity markets have seen significant factor in sector rotations owing to rising bond rates. In today's episode, Chris Heeks, Alfred Lee, and your host, Mark Rays, talk about tactical exposures that can help your clients capture growth in this environment. They also discuss bond positioning strategies as the Bank of Canada winds down its asset purchase program. Before we hear from our experts, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome to our BMO Global Asset Management Weekly Insights ETF call with our team of experts. I'm your host, Mark Grace. I'm the head of product for BMO GAM Canada, covering ETFs and funds. We're joined today by Chris Heeks and Alfred Lee, both our portfolio managers on our ETF desk. Chris focuses on equity and option solutions, while Alfred focuses on fixed income. Great. Well, let's get started here. Uh, for this week, let's start with a conversation around market caps. Easiest to look at the U.S. market. So, if we look at the S&P using the 500, the mid cap, and the small cap, there's been strong outperformance uh, year to date by the mid and small cap. At BMO ETFs, we offer all three under ZSP, ZMID for mid, and ZSML for small. We've had lots of advisor questions coming in as this trend has really picked up. Can you explain this performance differential and provide your outlook across these market caps? Thanks. Sure. So, um, you know, as you mentioned, I think uh, we've definitely seen an outperformance in uh, small caps and mid caps uh, year to date. So if you look at ZSML, it's up uh, in the neighborhood of 14% year to date. Uh, ZMID, uh, which is our mid cap ETF, that's up 8.7% year to date. Um, ZSP, which is the S&P 500 ETF, it's up 3.2%. So when you consider that it's only, you know, not even three months into the year, but 3.2% is usually in the normal market, um, a pretty good return, but you know, it definitely pales in comparison when you compare it to, uh, the small cap and mid cap ETF. So, you know, so far year to date, we've definitely been seeing a rotation into not just from large cap into smaller cap areas. Uh, but also uh, from style factors such as, you know, uh, looking at ETF flows down in the U- U.S., which tend to be more tactical, uh, we're seeing flows from things like low vol uh, and some repositioning into things like small cap and mid cap. Uh, but we're also seeing a sector rotation as well. So areas that, that have been hit hard by rising rates, uh, such as tech, um, we've seen a rotation into small caps as well. So a lot of, a lot of investors that have been looking for growth um, have rotated into small and mid-cap uh, areas. So a number of different reasons and why we've seen an outperformance in small and mid-cap securities. Uh, first, I, th- I think, you know, when you look historically, uh, small and mid-cap securities tend to outperform coming out of recession. We saw the same thing in 2009, uh, all the way to 2011 as well. So there's two years of outperformance compared to uh, larger cap securities coming out of the great financial crisis. Um, 
all in all, you know, when you consider small caps and mid caps, they tend to be more economically sensitive. So when you look at uh, their businesses overall, uh, they tend to be more localized in nature. So when you look at their income statements, uh, their balance sheets, they tend to be less diversified compared to, uh, you know, global conglomerates. So um, when you look at, you know, the nature of this recession, given that it was, you know, driven by the pandemic, uh, the lockdown measures, work from home, uh, really had a large, large impact on a lot of the smaller corporations. So, you know, as I mentioned, smaller cap companies and mid-cap companies tend to be more leveraged towards that economic reopening trade. So as we've been seeing this optimism grow uh, for an economic reopening, small and mid-cap securities have benefited because of that. Um, in addition to that, I think, you know, when you look at the rally, especially over the last couple of months uh, since the U.S. election, uh, it's really been driven by a lot of the stimulus. So there's an expectation towards, you know, a lot of the stimulus checks are going to be put towards things like consumer spending. But even on a corporate level, uh, when you look at stimulus for a lot of the corporations, a lot of the small and mid-cap uh, corporations are going to be more, um, you know, relying on a lot of these stimulus. So a big part of the story over the last couple of months has been uh, capital expenditures. So, you know, a lot of these companies are going to be, you know, spending on, um, you know, fixing assets, uh, upgrading their businesses, upgrading their equipment. Um, so it's going to move the, lead, the needle a lot more for a small and mid-cap security. So that Democratic win, I think, you know, was a huge win for small and mid-cap securities as well. And last but not least, I think another reason why small and mid-cap securities have been outperforming is the steepening of the yield curve. So steepening of the yield curve usually tends to indicate an improving economy. Um, so as I mentioned before, a lot of areas that have been hit by rising yields um, tech, for example, a lot of people that have been looking for growth have been rotating into small and mid-cap securities as well. So, you know, in terms of our outlook, we still like small and mid-cap uh, securities. I wouldn't say it's a core exposure to a portfolio, but I think if you want to reallocate, you know, some of your core position, uh, no more than 10% of your portfolio, let's say, to small and mid-cap combined, um, I think, you know, it still makes a lot of sense at this point, even though we've seen a run-up in, in small and mid-caps. Uh, I still think, you know, the core of your portfolio should still be, you know, steady eddies like low ball and quality. I still think that makes a good core. Um, but I think if you want to tactically adjust, you know, part of your portfolio to gear up towards more economically sensitive areas, I still think there is, you know, a lot of tailwinds to that uh, small and mid-cap trade. Thanks. Yeah, certainly there is uh, the higher leverage, right, to the, uh, to the reopening trade. And so from an advisor perspective, good to hear there's still Lots of legs left in that trade. Another area of the market that has rebounded has been dividend strategies. Uh, with many advisors looking, of course, for equity income solutions, our global covered call ETF, ZWG, continues to get a lot of interest. So, Chris, I'll come your way. Can you comment on your outlook, starting with the underlying equity portfolio, and as well, then comment on the current volatility levels and how you are implementing the option writing. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. Um, you know, I think we're continuing in that same vein of, of reopening trades. When you talk about dividend-based strategies, uh, you look last year, dividends uh, didn't perform too well for the majority of the year. Um, really, it was that large-cap U.S. tech dominated the market. You know, even in Canada, Shopify dominated the market, particular, particularly up until um, kind of that October 31st. Then following that, you know, we had that vaccine announcement that we, that we talk about and, and that reopening trade that was more value-oriented really started to take hold. 
you know, we've talked on the call before about the connection between dividends and value, and there's a pretty strong connection there. You know, stocks have higher dividend yields when their prices are a little bit lower. And, you know, when prices are a little bit lower, they also have better value. There's a natural connection there. And, and really, it's been value and dividends that have um, been performing very well um, in this kind of reopening environment. I mean, they were they were just, you know, kind of probably beaten down a little too much uh, last year. Um, and so, you know, when you look at the dividend suite, you know, whether it's Canada, U.S. or EFI, all three of them are outperforming, um, you know, our broad beta equivalents since that October 31st, call it the mark, the beginning of the, the reopening trade. Uh, ZWG, again, this is this is a cover call strategy based on a global dividend portfolio. Um, so, again, I think the comments that, you know, dividends are, are outperforming on a global basis, um, you know, being led by this stimulus and the, the reopening trade, you know, in terms of how that trade's progressing, I think it's, I think the wind is still, you know, at its back currently, you know, we're, we're still pretty early in, you know, the vaccination rollout for the most part. Some countries are a little further than others, but, um, you know, I think there's still a ways to go. And perhaps more importantly, I think you still have monetary authorities who are very uh, keen to keep the taps on to ensure that, you know, we get a, a solid economic recovery underfoot. So I think policy is continuing to play a huge role um, like it has since really the drawdown last March. So I think the wind is still at the back of, um, you know, some of these trades, including the dividends and, and ZWG, it's just a great, um, you know, very well diversified high dividend portfolio on a global basis um, that, that gives you exposure to, you know, a well-rounded dividend portfolio. You know, one, another thing that I like about it is because, you know, we do option strategies on it, you know, we require a certain amount of liquidity uh, to do an effective option strategy. So, you know, I would say ZWG even skews towards, you know, kind of those larger cap blue chip companies with a solid track record of dividends, dividends we think are sustainable going forward. Um, so I think it's well positioned to not only capture the trend, but also give you um, some measure of safety and quality to, you know, to Alfred's point um, by investing in these large blue chips. Um, the distribution yield is 6.8% on the portfolio. And, uh, you know, again, on the option side, it's about, about three to 4% is coming from that option overlay. Um, in terms of the volatility backdrop, um, volatility has come in quite a bit, and that, that tends to be what you see when the market rallies. Uh, market As the market rallies, um, volatility tends to drop. They tend to move inversely. When the market goes down, volatility goes way up. Um, but that being said, it's still pretty healthy levels, and we're achieving you know some good out of the money on these portfolios, um, you know, kind of 5% out of the money on a monthly option, and we're getting 3 to 4% in income. Um, it's a pretty good trade-off. So certainly uh, for an investor who um, is looking for, you know, perhaps a, um, you know, an exposure with the potential to uh, to outperform, uh, but also collect a lot of income, I think, you know, dividends and in particular, the high dividend cover calls, um, ZWG being one, um, have a good, you know, potential to, to add value. You are listening to Views from the Desk, a weekly edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you're enjoying today's discussion, we encourage you to check out our deep dive episodes where we take you under the hood of BMO GAM's product suite. Check out episode 62 in this same podcast series where we take a deeper look at the BMO Clean Energy Index ETF, ticker ZCLN or ZClean. 
Learn about the global trend that's reshaping energy markets and how easily it can be integrated into your client portfolios with long-term growth objectives. Let's turn now to fixed income. We've been talking, of course, about the steepening curve with advisors uh, with the with the rise in the 10-year going through, you know, plus uh, through 150 points or so. With the front end of the curve expected to be stable for at least the next year, and really minimal yields on cash, how have you been discussing short-end positioning with advisors using our short-term fixed income ETFs like ZSB? Thanks. Um, so we, we've definitely seen a significant steeping in the yield curve, um, both in U.S. and Canada. So, you know, as you mentioned, the front end of the yield curve in, in both U.S. and Canada has been very stable. Um, you know, when you look at the yield curve, when you look across the yield curve, uh, yields have been you know, pretty flat on the short end. It's only when you get to, you know, three years and beyond when you start seeing um, an uptick in yields. And I would say, you know, the uptick in yields isn't really meaningful until you get to the five-year mark. Um, but, you know, when you look at short-term yields, I think, you know, to your point, it's going to be, you know, on the short end of the curve, it's, it's pretty much going to be locked in for, um, you know, near the overnight rate for at least you know, the next two years. Uh, to Chris's point, I think, you know, policymakers in terms of, you know, their commitment to keeping the overnight rate, you know, pretty much unchanged until we get, you know, clear evidence that the economy is, you know, standing on its own two feet. Uh, I don't think, um, you know, central banks are going to meaningfully change their overnight rate, uh, at least for the year next year, maybe two years as well. Uh, so in terms of our discussions, in terms of, you know, how to position in, in terms of the short end of the curve, uh, you know, a lot of the discussions that we're, we've been having with advisors and institutional clients is that, you know, the short end of the curve is a good way to, you know, park uh, fixed income assets right now, as long as you accept that you're not going to get much yield. So when you look at ZSB, uh, which is our short-term bond ETF, the yield to maturity is about 80 basis points right now. Um, but, you know, the, those yields are, you know, nothing to write home about. So uh, the good thing, however, is that when you look at ZSB and the performance since the end of March is when, you know, when yields really started to tick up, uh, the performance in ZSB has essentially been flat. Uh, looking at the other extreme, however, so when you look at things like ZFL, um, it's down 8.7% over the same time period. So, um, you know, when you look at your fixed income portfolio, I still think, you know, ZAG, uh, an aggregate bond ETF still makes a very good core position. But, you know, when you look at the rise in yields over the last couple of months, you got to figure that it's going to moderate at some point. So, you know, longer term yields, you know, moving up too fast, too much, I don't think it's in the best interest of central banks uh, when you look at higher yields and the effect that it has on the economy. Um, you know, it's going to dampen the demand for loans. It's going to dampen the demand for mortgages. So, you know, it's going to stall the economic recovery. So, um, you know, I, I think there is a limit in terms of how much long-term yields can rise. Uh, but for the meantime, until, you know, until interest rates, until that volatility in interest rates starts to dissipate, I think ZSB for the time being is still a very good um, area for fixed income investors uh, to hide or at least park their cash for the time being. Great. Thanks for that, Alfred. So I'm going to come back at you guys with a bit more of a tougher one here, at least from a recent performance perspective. Um, looking at our new clean energy ETF, ZCLN or ZClean. Considering the returns in 2020, uh, this recent bull pullback that we've observed could be could be considered a buying opportunity. Um, but is this a broader pullback just based on momentum, or do you see anything differently here? 
Uh, do you see a floor under this ETF or is it a bit more of a wait and see uh, considering the 2020 returns? Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Mark. And, you know, it's, um, you know, it's always going to, you know, we can't, we can't, you know, it's very difficult to time the bottom, but certainly when you get a pullback and, and Zed Clean's pulled back probably 30% or so since the launch um, in January, you know, anytime you get a pullback of the magnitude, you know, it does present a buying opportunity. You know, I think looking at clean energy, I think the one thing we, we can be fairly certain about is the trend in terms of that multi-year, multi-decade trend is certainly on your side. Uh, you know, we you know we know renewables are about 25 percent of world electricity, um, but you know, um, policymakers are expecting that to go to 55 percent over the next 30 years. It's going to require a significant investment. It's going to require a significant investment to meet Paris Climate Accord targets, which Biden has just rejoined. You know, Biden also set kind of under the radar set a target of 2035 to be carbon neutral with respect to energy production. And most people are saying, you know, that's, that, that, that probably doesn't have a chance of happening. But just the fact that he's setting these kind of targets, it kind of shows you, um, you know, where the wind is shifting towards clean energy overall. You know, China, even, you know, emerging market is targeting carbon neutrality by 2060. So, you know, the one thing we can feel pretty comfortable about saying is, you know, this is a mega trend that we think is going to be significant and meaningful, you know, on a multi-year basis. You know, in terms of short-term trading, always difficult to time your entries um, and the more volatile the exposure is I think the more difficult that can potentially become clean energy is you know to be fair is a higher volatility exposure uh, but with that also becomes uh, you know comes along the potential for higher returns so um, you know I think investors have to look at their time horizon and risk tolerance and if, if they can check off those two boxes to say, you know, I've got a longer time horizon, I can sit and wait and I can I can um, I can uh, live with some volatility, you know, from 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 week to week, uh, but have a long term view. I think I think it works very well. And I would say that, you know, this pullback could well prove to be, you know, a, um, you know, a good uh, a good entry point. And I think it all depends on how much how much uh, sorry leash, so to speak, you give yourself from from a time point of view. If you give yourself years for it to play out, you know, you that just increases your odds of making it a really good investment. So um, I think it's very interesting. We note that the Canadian renewables um, are near their five-year valuation average when it comes to EV to EBITDA. I think that's an interesting metric. So I think for longer-term investors, the Zed Clean um, is, is pretty interesting as a satellite vehicle. And um, and, and I think the recent pullback um definitely you know increases that that interest in it as a vehicle great thanks for that and certainly the long-term view still holds so those that were a little concerned about uh the rapid price increase well some of that uh i guess has moved in your benefit if you're not already invested with that i would like to check if there are any questions on the line for alfred and chris Yes, good morning. What should I consider regarding my bond holdings, given the announcement the Bank of Canada will be tapering their bond buying program? Thank you. Sure, I could take that one. Um, so, yeah, so uh, announcing by the Bank of Canada yesterday that they were going to, you know, not continue on with their asset purchase program. Um, so, you know, a lot of people are calling it this tapering, but, you know, when you look at the language that the Bank of Canada has put out, 
uh, they never intended or they never confirmed that they were going to extend this program for more than a year. Um, so, you know, when you look at the purpose of, uh, you know, the asset purchase programs that the Bank of Canada put in place, uh, it was really to support, you know, financial market stability, and they've done a good job in, in doing that. So I think, you know, now with the economy, you know, significantly in, the, in a much better place compared to a year ago, uh, the Bank of Canada is just going to discontinue the program. Um, so the market, you know, it was widely anticipated by the market. So um, I think overall, in terms of bond positioning, I don't think there's anything specifically you have to do in, in regards to the tapering. But I think, you know, the bigger concern out there is, you know, as I mentioned, I think it's, it's rising interest rates. So in terms of bond portfolio positioning, I think, you know, combining ZAG with things like, you know, things that we've talked about in, in past calls, like, you know, ZPR, ZTIP, um, I think that's a good way to reposition your fixed income portfolio right now. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for all the information. Uh, you mentioned that uh, there's a steepening of the yield curve, especially on the long end. Uh, in addition to ZSP, what other uh, Canadian fixed income ETFs should I be looking at in these markets? And uh, where do you see corporates in this picture? Thank you. Um, so that's a good question. I think, you know, when we look at the performance of fixed income over the last two months, you know, the bigger story has been about interest rates. It's, it's been less uh, less about uh, credit exposure. So when you look at uh, ZMU, for example, which is our U.S. investment grade, uh, since the end of January, that's down 3%. Uh, ZHY, which is our high-yield ETF, it's down only 32 basis points over the same period, which is you know, surprising given that it's been a you know, little bit of a risk-off trade since then. Uh, but again, to my point, it's been more about a story about interest rates so far. Uh, credit spreads have held in relatively well um, in terms of corporate exposures, both in the U.S. and uh, Canada. We still like corporates. Um, you know, just keep in mind that you know, credit spreads are already pretty tight. Um, so in terms of upside, it, it's pretty limited, but I think it's a good way to, you know, um, hide from the interest rate volatility at this point. So uh, in terms of U.S. exposure, I think we mentioned ZFH two weeks ago in the call. Um, that's up about 1% since the end of January. So we still like that space. But in terms of you know, Canadian fixed income exposure, um, you know, as I mentioned, I think ZPR, even though it's not purely fixed income, it's a good way to offset some of that duration risk in your portfolio. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate you listening in. Thanks for your time and thanks for the questions. Of course, thanks as well to Chris and Alfred. Uh, some really good insights covering across markets, ETFs, tradable ideas. Uh, lots of good points that we can bring back to our own conversations today and this week. So thanks again for that. And with that, just like to wish everyone a great day. And once again, thanks for listening in. Thank you to Chris Heeks, Alfred Lee, and Mark Race for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, our experts outlined a range of prudent strategies to increase yields. In equities, they recommend mid and small cap securities using tickers ZMID or ZMID and ZSML. Within fixed income, consider the BMO short-term bond index ETF ticker ZSB. This episode, number 65, marks the one-year anniversary of Views from the Desk. And during this time, we've had over 8,000 downloads of this podcast. So happy birthday to us and a big thanks to you, our listeners. On behalf of our BMO GAM experts and specialists, it's been a pleasure bringing you timely insights and trade ideas to help serve your clients better. 
For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your original BMO ETF specialist, or visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.